0: that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Jamie Abney-Giraldo is a career music educator who is currently serving as the Fine Arts Coordinator for School District U46 in Elgin, Illinois, a position she has held since 2017. Prior to coming into this role, she served as a building-level administrator, a band teacher, and a mariachi instructor between 2004 and 2017. She holds her Bachelor of Music Education degree with a focus on instrumental music from Illinois State University, as well as a Master of Arts degree in Educational Leadership from Concordia University, Chicago. Ms. Abney Giraldo has been a key player in establishing and building the mariachi education program in School District U46 since the program's inception in 2009. Mariacha Joya Dorada de U46, the golden jewel of the larger school community, performs regularly for school and community events. Ms. Abney Giraldo has attended the na- annual National Mariachi Workshops for Music Educators four times to date, and has brought the workshop and its esteemed clinicians to School District U46 since the summer of 2018. She continues to sing and play guitarone with the group when available. Referred to Eric Ramirez of Mariachi a de Las Vegas as La Madrina del Mariachi for the Elgin community, the godmother of Mariachi, Ms. Abney Giraldo has been active advocate for Mariachi education in the region. She was a contributor to 2022's The Music Teacher's Guide to Engaging English Language Learners, for which she wrote a chapter about the benefits and connections that Mariachi education can bring to a school community. She's also a regular contributor to School Band and Orchestra Magazine, In addition, she has presented mariachi education professional development sessions at the local, state, and national levels. Jamie currently serves the Illinois Music Education Association as the District 9 president and has previously served as the percussion coordinator and on the percussion team for the Association's All-State Conference from 2001 to 2020. Ms. Abney Giraldo is an active musician performing as a percussionist around the Fox Valley area. So this week, I have the absolute pleasure of speaking with Jamie Giraldo. Uh, Jamie is the Fine Arts Coordinator at uh, the U46 School District, which is in Elgin, Illinois, a a suburb of Chicago. I've been there myself. Uh, Jamie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being on. Thanks for having me, Jim. So the way I like to start every podcast, Jamie, is, is, and I think it's super interesting because everybody's path is different, is for you to give us a five, 10 minute thumbnail sketch of your career from when you first got interested in music to saying, wow, I might want to do this for a career. And then how you got into eventually your position that you're in today. That'd be great.
1: Oh, wow. Well, I actually originally wanted to be a neurologist, if you would believe that. Oh, wow. Very cool. Yeah. So in high school, that was my initial plan. And My own music education kind of had a unique path. Okay. I grew up in a very small town in Central Illinois, farmland, and um, had a fantastic junior high band experience. And then when I went to high school, our high school, by the way, only had about 430 students total. Okay. Um, I got to high school and there were only about um, 20 students in the band program. And and I ended up having...
0: Sorry to interrupt you. What instrument did you play, Jamie?
1: Um, I was a percussionist.
0: Oh, okay. Very cool. All right. Very mm-hmm. cool.
1: So there were only about, about 20 students in my high school band, and I had three different band directors over the course of my four years
0: oh, wow. there. Uh,
1: and honestly, the reason I kept going and stayed in it, besides my own passion for music, was that I had a fantastic junior high band teacher, mm. um, David Peterson. Um, and he made sure to keep in touch with me through high school. He always made sure I had solo and ensemble music. He always made sure that I had the ILMEA audition music.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: when it came time, he also helped me select college audition music. So like, without having had that constant um, mentorship and that constant guidance through the various directors I had in high school, mm-hmm. I don't know that I would have survived that program.
0: Yeah, that much Frankly. turn yeah, that much turnover doesn't really lend itself to kids being quote unquote loyal uh, to a program. So it's great that you had that mentor.
1: Absolutely. Um the right teacher and a good teacher makes all the difference in the world.
0: That's true. And so where uh, and where so, did you yeah, where did you go to undergrad?
1: I ended up going to Illinois State University and it was the best experience I could have had, uh, I, I'll never forget my first day at band camp, my my first year, uh, I was in the drum line, and there were more people in the drum line at ISU than there were in my entire high school band.
0: <laughs>
1: and that was so eye-opening, and just being able to be part of such a large band and not be the only one of... Something. Right. Uh, the only person on my instrument. It, it was. It was such a new experience for me, um, and really just cemented for me that I was. I was pursuing the right thing for right. what I wanted to do. Uh, it wasn't, as I mentioned earlier. Sorry to kind of jump back, but I originally wanted to be a neurologist, and at some point, I don't remember what it was. Somebody asked a question about, well, wouldn't you miss making music, and it never had occurred to me that I would have to choose one or the other, right? right? Like I knew that I could be a neurologist and still be a musician, but it made me pause and reconsider. And and I am so glad that I did because I wouldn't be where I am in my life's journey had I stayed on that original path. So right. I ended up studying music education, finishing that program in 2004, uh, doing all kinds of Fantastic things while I was there, performing with some excellent musicians, working under the guidance of um, some fabulous teachers there, and even premiering pieces and working with composers um, was was a pretty remarkable undergraduate experience for me.
0: That's, did you have um, David Williams? Was he still teaching there?
1: No, I did not have David Williams.
0: Okay. All right, he he. That's in you're in Bloomington, right? Is that Bloomington, Illinois? Yes. Bloomington right. Normal. Bloomington mm-hmm. Normal. Yeah. So I, I went, I did a conference there back in probably the late nineties uh, at Il, Ilstu. I remember the email it was I-L-S-T-U. <laughs> um, what, it, what a great town. What a great campus, a beautiful school, great school of music. So yeah, that's great. I just, um, he's a huge mentor of mine and, and he taught there for many years, but he probably left before you you were there.
1: I might have just missed him. I started there in 99. Okay, yep. May have just missed him. Uh, And so when it came time to student teach, I felt like, okay, well, I grew up in rural area, a very small school in a small town. I, I felt like I had a pretty good idea what to expect in that kind of an area. My undergraduate clinical experiences in Bloomington Normal, I felt, okay, well, this is a little bit larger metropolitan area, but still... Um, you know, kind of a little bit more on the the rural side. And I said, you know, what have I not gotten experience in yet? And I felt at that point, like I had not had experience in a more urban or suburban environment. And as you know, graduating with a music ed degree, you don't know where you're going to land. You don't know what kind of school or um, school district or community is going to end up hiring you. So I wanted to make sure I was the most prepared that I could be. And so I requested to student teach up uh, here in the Chicago suburbs and ended up student teaching at Batavia, Mm -hmm. um, at Rotolo Middle School and Batavia High School.
0: Oh, very cool. I I interviewed him, Mark, uh, the band director there. What's his name? Well,
1: at the time that I was there, I had John Heath and David Lesniak
0: at the high school. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. for, for I uh he was earlier that this oh, that is I'm getting old, I can't. He teaches at Rotolo Middle School right now. Uh, anyway um,
1: Keith, Keith Osbeth, oh, yeah, there
0: you go, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> all right, sorry, Keith, oops, I apologize. All right, sorry, I keep interrupting you, Jamie. I'm so terrible. I I, I gotta, that's okay. I gotta uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's I love, okay. I love here, I love hearing all these familiar names. It's such a the the Chicago suburbs are uh. Rife with incredible music programs. So yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt. Keep going. You got you got out of student teaching. Well, I had
1: such a fabulous experience student teaching and really enjoyed this, this general community over here in the Fox right. Valley. And so I was hoping that I would be able to stay in the area. And luckily I I was able to. I taught for my first year teaching in the West Aurora School District. Um, phenomenal music programs it just at that moment wasn't the right fit for me right uh, and so then I've been in U46 since 2005 wow. and I have been here been here nonstop. stop uh, I started out believe it or not in a one-year only covering a leave of absence position at Streamwood High School mm-hmm. and that turned into a permanent position so I was at Streamwood High School and all of the Um, various elementary lessons, components, pieces um, to to create a full-time line. Right. I was there until uh, 2010. And that's, if you'll recall, that's when the bottom of the economy fell out. Absolutely. uh, Like many other people and many, many people from this school district, I was riffed. Hmm. Um, Fortunately for me, I was one of the very last ones that they were able to call back and bring back. Oh, without great. any, without any gap. So I was, I was invited back for the next school year. And at that time, um, my, uh, the fine arts coordinator at that time asked me to take over the Elgin high school program. And so I I was very happy at the Elgin high school program, leading the band there and supporting the elementary and middle schools in that network. And During that same time, I was working on my master's degree. Now, this is something I I often think about and and go back and get cases of the shoulda, woulda, couldas, you know, Uh, but when it was time to consider my master's degree and what I wanted to do with that, um, that was right when that economy fell apart and we hit the recession. And at that moment, I felt that it was more important that I had another thing that I could do so that I had more job options, right, instead of pursuing a master's degree in music. And so that's when I instead pursued my master's degree in administration. Very smart. Uh, And and I'm glad for it. I'm I'm where I am, again, because of those decisions. But it's one of those things, right? You always kind of think back, oh, I wish I had gotten that music master's degree. Uh, but I but, guess it's never too late for that. Right. You could still
0: right, do that. Ab- absolutely. And, uh, you know, the administration degree here where I was in New Jersey, when I taught in New Jersey, I got my master's in music education. But then you could get your certificate, a supervisor certificate. You didn't have to get a master's in administration to become a supervisor. So it, it was like 12 credits and you had to, um, you know. It, not like student teaching, because you you were obviously, I was working full time, but you like shadowed an administrator um, to get your supervisor mm-hmm. certificate. You couldn't be a principal with that certificate, but you could be a supervisor. So uh, how did your, how did that, uh, that master's in administration prepare you? When did you take over the gig at uh, as fine arts coordinator at U46?
1: Oh, well, we have another stop in the road before. Oh my there. goodness.
0: Oh, wow. That's amazing. <laughs>
1: So in 2015, I decided to put on that administrator hat, and I applied for and was selected to be a building level administrator um, at Bartlett High School, still in U46. Okay. And I absolutely loved it. It was, it was a wonderful fit. I still got to engage with students every day. I was part of a really strong administrative team. We ha- I was able to support my fine arts teachers in in a meaningful way to make sure that they had what they needed and could do the things they needed and wanted to do for our students to have great experiences. And I really just loved being there. And, um, two years into that role, um, the district's level role, the fine arts coordinator position opened and, um, they weren't getting very many applicants. I don't, I don't know all of the details of what led up to it, but, um, a, a couple of people from the from the district office were recruiting me and, and asking me to consider if that job would be something that I would want to do and I should uh-huh. consider applying and I should do this. And so, and so I did, and, and here we are. And it has been quite a ride. It is, um, U46 is the second largest school district in Illinois, servicing just about 36,000 students across 57 schools. Wow! Um, in this role, I oversee K through 12 art, music, theater, and dance, including wow. curriculum development and writing and implementation, um, professional development planning, uh, festival and art show planning and support. All all of the pieces to make sure again that our students have what they need, that our teachers have what they need, uh, so that we can have fine arts programs that we can be proud of here in Elgin. And I I think we're accomplishing that.
0: So let me ask you for every music teacher that's listening to you right now, Jamie saying, wow, one day I would like that job. Um, Not specifically at U46, but just being a fine arts coordinator in general. How many Mm -hmm. nights a week are you staying late going to concerts and events and meetings and all that? I mean, it's a, it's not just the the bell when the bell rings at three o'clock ish. Um, that's, that's not when you go home, is it as a, as a fine arts coordinator?
1: No, no, it's not. Uh we're on spring break this week and it's been interesting. I've been able to come home at three 4 o'clock every day. And I don't know what to do with all my time.
0: <laughs>
1: I would yeah. say probably most days, most days I'm home five 6 o'clock, which okay. still, you know, is, is reasonable. Right. Um, it's probably one to two days a week on average that I have something in the evening right that that goes later than that a concert or a musical or uh, a meeting with parents or you know any variety of things
0: okay and and you may have said this if you did I apologize but how many teachers total um in all four subjects do you have to directly supervise? There are about
1: 150 fine arts teachers in U46. Oh, my goodness.
0: So in order for you to see every teacher, you would have to do observations, I guess. I don't know if you have to do that every year for every teacher, but that would seem like you'd be doing at least one observation a day for most of the school year.
1: Well, if I did... If I did observe all of them, absolutely. Luckily, I share that responsibility with the building administrators. Excellent. (laughs) Uh, I still am out in buildings and observing quite a bit. I would say I probably see, on average, about 50 of those teachers a year.
0: Okay. All right. That's still so a lot, though. Still, especially
1: <laughs> across 57 schools. So, yeah. yes, it's it's a lot, but it's it's wonderful. I'm in classrooms. I'm seeing the learning happen. I'm seeing the curriculum in action and uh, learning from some phenomenal expert educators in our district. Uh, and then I'm able to also have conversations about what good teaching is and how I can support their practice um, and share ideas of things that I've seen from other teachers, what if you tried this? What if you tried that? Um, like, those conversations are something that I, I really enjoy having, even if it is a, a big ask, you know, right, or a big call right. order to be able to meet all of those. Um, I enjoy having those conversations.
0: So, um, crazy question, but um, how, because I've I've ta- I talked to teachers all around the country, and I know, for example, in California, there's like a gold rush for music teachers. They're, they need 15,000 music teachers next year. Um, how? Oh, wow. How? So what What I have heard from others is that recruiting is a little bit tough right now because there are so many jobs available. I don't know what, is that the same in Elgin or, or around Illinois, or is it is it, you know, how many resumes are you getting for your positions?
1: Well, I would say we haven't seen a significant change okay. over the past five years. Um, we, our, our programs are actually have been growing in the past couple of years, um, both with some different scheduling structures that we're doing at the elementary level to increase instructional time. Um, but also just we're, we're recovering from, you know, the COVID numbers that we all suffered from. And so we're seeing programs growing, knock on wood, I'm knocking on all of the things. Uh, so far I have not had trouble filling the positions that we've had available. Oh, uh, I have a lot of quali- well-qualified applicants that um, have been interested in the positions we've had. And I hope to see that continue because I hope to continue to see our programs grow.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's fabulous news, Jamie. All right, so I'm going to shift the conversation to the the uh, the theme of these podcasts, which is music technology. And I know that you're in a district level role, and you may not be in a classroom every single day teaching yourself. But what do you think, just as a musician, a music teacher, what do you think the role of music technology is uh, within a music program?
1: Wow, that's a big question.
0: Sorry, (laughs) that's a no, no, no.
1: That's a good question. It's just a big question. Yeah. Well, I think it's. I think it can be polarizing.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
1: Because so much of what we do as musicians requires us to have very hands-on um, role in the music making. And we want that for our students, too, in our classrooms, like act, active music making. However, I think the technology is here to stay, and mm-hmm. it it is on us as educators and educational leaders to find ways to be able to incorporate that and help guide our students through how to use the different technological resources that are available to them in a way that can augment their music education and their, just their musicianship in general. Um, You know, there, even when I was in the classroom, like we had technology tools available at that point, Um, smart music was was a buzzword that was a new thing a big thing back in uh you know late 2000s
0: right
1: and um all of you know always looking for different resources musictheory.net was another one that was right around that era that was huge help for for programs that didn't have a lot of resources or didn't have courses running but wanted to prepare students for you know Continuing their musicianship after high school. Yep. Uh, and so then you know what I saw here in our school district was you know more schools, more programs were starting to to look at the smart music route and and do some some things like that. And then they started finding the different um, uh, note what was it staff wars and things yep. like yep. that online. And then and then twenty twenty came. And suddenly everything had to be online and everything had to be technology. And we were teaching flute lessons on zoom and teachers, educators, everybody, we were, we were forced to really pause and reassess. Like, what are we doing? How are we doing it? What tools do we have available to us to be able to do it well um, in the, you know, through the computer. And a lot of my teachers at that point started exploring and opening their minds to different things that they probably wouldn't have right. had we not had to figure it out. Um, so a, a lot of the teachers were using things like Soundtrap and Note Flight, um, which gratefully were, you know, available for free during the pandemic, knowing that everybody was trying to figure out ways to make it work. Yep. Right. And, you know, then we had the larger conversation in our school district about, well, you know, how how can we support teachers not only during the pandemic, coming out of the pandemic, you know, to continue to use these additional tools to support and augment the hands-on analog, if you will, music yep. making that happens in our classrooms.
0: So, Jamie, I know that you have a music first implementation there, um, and I know that you know the teachers may have used a, a lot of our tools during covid but now that we're on the other side of that are you seeing teachers um you know still incorporating you know some of the things they did uh, during that kind of dark time and 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 using note flight and soundtrap with their students now or they have or have they gone back to quote unquote the way they used to do it
1: Well, I think it's a little bit of a mix, honestly. Uh, We've got some teachers that are really embracing the Music First Classroom. They they enjoy that platform as a hub. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got teachers that are using musician Aurelia because we have the whole suite um, of apps for our students. And so we have teachers that are taking advantage of all of it and doing really cool music composition projects with their ensemble students and, and giving music theory assignments and using practice first uh, Mm -hmm. and really taking advantage of all of it. And then we do have some teachers who, you know, when we came back into what we were used to in the before times kind of reverted back to how they did things in the before times. And so it it is a, it is a fair mixture.
0: Yeah. And I think, uh, first of all, I don't blame them at all because um, you know, the, the world kind of quote unquote ended on, on March 13th of 2020 and every music teacher had to completely 180 on how they taught. Um, and then, you know, after all that kind of craziness and I've talked to a whole bunch of teachers in, in your general area that, that were just desperate to get back into a rehearsal room with kids singing and playing instruments again and, and, you know, mm-hmm. sitting on the carpet in, in, a, in a circle you know, that that all of that that was taken away. So I totally get that. And and 100% agree that if I was still teaching, and I had been through that, I'd really want to get back to quote, unquote, normal. But I, I love the idea of, you know, and, and I hope that what, you know, I, I'm an eternal optimist, and I always say, like, what was the good part? of covid i know that's crazy because it was so terrible but what what did we learn that we could take away and move and carry forward that that wasn't so bad and i think that um exposing kids to creative apps like no Flight and soundtrap where kids could become composers um, mm-hmm. I guarantee you there were a whole bunch of kids that never knew they had that in, in them, that, that creativity, that talent and given, and by the way, it doesn't matter what the tool is. I'm such a proponent of giving kids the opportunity um, to be able to be creative with, with tools that make it relatively easy for them to do so. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. certain, I'm certainly hopeful that that teachers will at least make a, a little bit of room in their curriculum for that because the kids that I, you know, all the teachers I've spoken to, the, the teachers felt very strongly that uh, it was an amazing experience for their kids to be creative during during such an awful time.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I am optimistic that, you know, once I, I feel like we're still kind of in the welcome back phase, like we're just so excited to be back and, yes. and making music in person um, that we've kind of... Um, can't think of a great expression, but we've kind of bounced back to the opposite um, end of the spectrum here right. So for, for some teachers. So I'm hopeful that we'll settle in somewhere in the middle where they'll find useful ways to incorporate um, music first and just instruction, instructional technology in general, um, again, to augment and support what they're doing within their ensembles and within their general music classes yeah. and not, not in replacement. Never but in replacement.
0: Never. Correct.
1: <laughs> but yeah. to augment.
0: Yeah, that's a great right. that's a great thing. So here I, I, I didn't I didn't send this question to you ahead of time, but I'm sure you have thoughts on it as the coordinator for for K 12 and and four different you know art forms. Um, but what what do you think about younger kids? I'm talking K five, pre-K five maybe pre-K two specifically, what about those kids and, and technology in those rooms? Just your general thoughts about it, because uh, I, I want to see if they're similar to mine. Oh, that's
1: really hard.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, they're,
1: they're, they're, they're surrounded by it. They've never known a world without technology, uh, even in school, right? Even in school. So I think it's hard for us as adults, more so than it is for the kids. I think the kids will do whatever we ask and they'll They'll be excited to learn about it, um, however we present it to them.
0: Yeah, I would I'm say a- for
1: the, the the youngest ones, though, those pre K to two, especially, it's got to be about doing. Yep. Whether it's playing music, singing, holding instruments, like doing, so that they're they're able to build that uh, that gross muscle memory, but also the the fine motor skills, you know, that yep. they're just developmentally needing at that stage. Uh, so I don't know if it were me. I don't know that I would use a lot of technology, yep. especially with those really, really young ones. I think the, the slightly older elementary students, there are some great technology tools that, again, can augment the things that they're learning in class, mm-hmm. um, but shouldn't shouldn't replace just learning about and learning to love music.
0: Yeah no you you know hooray you are we're on exactly the same page and I knew you would say that <laughs> um, you know I, as somebody especially with your interest in neurology and neuroscience um, I read a lot of books uh, during my masters and doctoral studies about uh, brain development in young children and technology specifically the work of uh, Sherry Turkle who whose work is from MIT she's just brilliant. And she basically was saying that kids, you know, at that age, under the age of third grade, so like eight and younger, um, mm-hmm. it's the it's the last thing in the world they need is, is tech is to use more technology. And in a music class, um, man, oh man, is it important for them to have those visceral, physical, moving, you know, singing, playing experiences, especially when when, when you see parents at restaurants, you know, I I was, I was out with some dear friends last weekend. And as soon as we sat down, you know, huge group of people at the table for, for lunch, all the iPads came out and they went in the hands of the three-year-olds. And I was like, that is today's pacifier is that, you know, these these three-year-olds and five-year-olds and six-year-olds that that's their new thing. So when they're in a music class, for goodness sake, you know if you want to project stuff up on the board and 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 you know have activities that are digital quote unquote that's great but man those kids need to move and get those devices out of their hands for at least 40 minutes a day
1: absolutely 100%
0: awesome um so do you you know in your travels around uh, your district do you get to see any of the projects that your teachers do with their students Can, in terms of technology do you get to see any of it or or are you just You know, kind of hearing it through the grapevine?
1: Uh, Sometimes. Hmm. I would say, again, during the online learning times um, when we were doing teacher observations through Zoom, uh, you know, there were, I did have some opportunities to see some of the projects and a lot of things in Soundtrap, especially at that point um, that teachers were doing. I will say I haven't seen as much of that in in-person teacher observations
0: since then yeah because it's it's interesting you know with all that i i know that um your whole entire area of of illinois is a huge a a powerhouse of of music programs and band programs and and Mm -hmm. choral programs and everything it's just interesting to to see what some of those teachers are doing um you know with the stuff uh it's but yeah i get it you're uh you know a hundred hundred and Goodness gracious. How many teachers you're responsible for? Um, uh, yeah. Um, so here's a here's a totally random question. But what do you what do you see with technology use in the other art forms? Do you see any of it in like visual arts and theater and dance? My my wife is a dance teacher. My whole family are dance teachers, basically. Um, so I'd love to hear if, if you see any technology at all in those other art forms. Or are they really just, you know, more about doing
1: I have not seen it very much in dance. Mm. Uh, in theater, they do use various platforms um, like lighting labs, right? Yeah, you know where they can practice different combinations of lights, and they can, you know, it's like a synthesizer almost for yep. what what a stage might be uh, and how they would light a stage or s- developing sound cues. There's a lot of overlap with what we yep. do in music, you know. So finding different programs to um, build those sound cues and then yep. to program them and sequence them. And so a lot of that for theater, visual arts are still doing a lot in the Adobe creative cloud suite. Oh yeah, absolutely. So your, your Photoshop, especially your illustrator, animate things like that. Um, we see a lot, especially at our high school level, at the middle school level where we're experimenting a little bit with digital image manipulation, um, video manipulation, but mm-hmm. It it really is more concentrated at the high school level.
0: Yeah, because what, one thing I've always said, I, I meet so many kids who are you know really interested in going into art um, and, and whether it, whatever medium they're choosing, uh, you know, painting, drawing, digital art, whatever it is. And I always tell them, and I always get this answer back, like, "Oh my God, no!" Is that graphic design is one of the most lucrative professions I can. I mm-hmm. mean. As somebody who pays for graphic designers, my goodness, kids, if if, if teachers are listening to this, tell your students it, that are that are artistic that being a graphic designer is a really lucrative way to combine your love of art uh into a into a paycheck. Um, we have a we at Music First, we have this incredible graphic designer who, believe it or not, lives in New Zealand. Um and you know he's fat he's fabulous, but I write some pretty big checks. So it 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 is a uh it's definitely an art form and knowing the digital you know, tools and, and art specifically is definitely something good. I'm sorry I'm going down a rabbit hole there, Jamie. No,
1: absolutely. Well, and it's it's interesting, you know, I'm obviously coming from a musical background. So I didn't learn anything about Adobe or Photoshop or any of those skills until I came into my current role and right. needed to learn some of those skills. So uh it's it's been fascinating learning just very, very basic uh, yep. skills in Photoshop and um Ah, uh, the uh, Premiere Pro, Premiere
0: Pro, like the video, absolutely. the bit yep. video one. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, very, very cool. So, um, back to the technology thing. You know, as an as an administrator, I'm sure that you have responsibility of putting professional development together um, programs, and I'm interested to hear what types of things you do. I know that we, I know that music, I, I'm pretty sure that uh, Jay mateko has been to Elgin. Um, what kind Several of, mm-hmm. yeah, what kind of, um, you know, training and support do you give for teachers, not just in, in uh, technology, but just, you know, all around? How much PD are your teachers getting and what types of things are they doing?
1: Well, specific to music technology, mm. we have really been trying to provide professional development for our teachers that shows them ways that they can use the tools that we have available right. to make to make what they do easier and more effective. So that has really been the focus that Jay and I have taken and the team have all taken to try to to help encourage teachers who maybe have been reluctant to start using yep. uh any of the tools, you know, to maybe try one thing. Um one of the things that we've been trying to incorporate and, and pushing a little bit hard on is practice first. Mm. I think that is right now, that is one of the best resources that we have available that is probably not used by oh, well. many
0: teachers. Okay. Yeah.
1: And I think it's just because they don't know how to get in there. They don't know how to assign things to kids and they don't know how to get their kids rostered and it's just some of those basic things that we can help with.
0: Yep. 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 That
1: that aren't aren't as hard and and frankly music first has made so much better in the oh, past I couple of years
0: thoroughly appreciate that that's very oh, cool well, <laughs>
1: i'll tell you the single sign on in the with google has, oh, yeah. has been
0: life-changing oh good good we uh, i i had to tell my boss because it was a lot of money to develop that i had to tell my boss look this thing is really important so i'm going to make him listen to what you just said uh, that's fabulous. Um,
1: it has been life changing. Oh, that's great. So, so like for music technology, that's been really our focus um, with our teachers: is use what we have to make things easier and more effective for yourself, and, yep. and to help with your teaching. Yep. And so, we have seen we have seen an increase in practice first because that's where we've been leaning. Right. Um, we have seen an increase in use. Still not where I'd like to see it yet, but I'm optimistic that you know as more people get on board and start trying things and finding things that work for them, you know, the word spreads.
0: Yep. So I'm going to ask you a question, Jamie, because I've got two more for you and we're running out of sure. time. I want to make sure I get them in. The first one is the advice question. And normally I'm I'm asking music teachers who are, you know, just responsible for their old, own classroom. So asking an administrator is a little bit different. You know, what advice would you give to other administrators in other Music programs, whether they're you know in a suburb of a major metropolitan city or whether they're in more like the town that you grew up in, um, what what advice would you give to administrators about incorporating technology into their music programs?
1: First of all, I would say make sure that you are having conversations with your music teachers and really understand what they're doing and what they need to be yep. successful. Because I guarantee you, they're doing a lot more than you think they're doing. And um, they probably don't need all that much um, to help them be even more successful than they are. So don't be afraid to have those conversations. That'd be my yep. first thing. Yeah. Um, but in terms of music technology specifically, again, we need to embrace where we're headed as a society. You talked about the three-year-olds with the iPads, and that is a sad reality, but it is a reality. Yep. And I think we can't we can't just ignore. That technology is here. I think we need to find ways to teach our students how to be, um, how to be good.
0: I know steward, what you're saying. Good, good
1: stewards. Yeah, I good, guess
0: good digital citizens, right? <laughs> yes, and, yeah. and how
1: how to use technology well. In ways to support what they're trying to do, uh, and they're not going to just figure that out. Yep. Or they will, right? If we don't teach it to them, they will just figure it out, and it may not be the way that would be the most advantageous for them to learn it.
0: So, I love that it's
1: on us as educators to help them learn how to
0: use the tools. I, I completely agree. And when you when you see things, because I'm sure that you've heard of uh, Chat GPT. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and what I what as soon as that came out, and I heard immediately that school districts were banning it, and I totally understand why because it's so scary in many, many ways. um uh the um the way I look at it is that if that's what a school district does, they're almost telling the kids, they're almost encouraging the kids. <laughs> hey, this is, really, this is really bad. We should ban this. Hey, kids, don't look at this. It's like, that's the absolute last thing in the world you tell a kid. Because w- when I first found out about that thing, um, I was telling my daughters like, oh my God, you won't believe this. And they were like, dad, we've been using this for a while. Where have you been? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so that's well, really, again, really good advice.
1: If we just bury our heads in the sand and hope it goes away, yep. kids are still gonna figure out how to use it.
0: 100%. It's on us
1: as the educators to help them learn how to use it responsibly, and and ChatGPT, I think, is and all of the other AI platforms that are coming out. I think again, you're right. The knee jerk reaction from a lot of educators is, "Oh my god, but but the cheating."
0: Yep.
1: And honestly, i I look at it as a as a challenge. Here's a challenge, and it's on us to rethink how we do this thing called education. Mm-hmm. If, if the way that we are assessing our students is so easy for them to cheat on, maybe we're not really assessing <laughs> what, what our students know and can do.
0: Yep. Right. Like yeah. it's on
1: us then to rethink how we do things and make it more meaningful.
0: I, I 1 million percent agree with you on that. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's um yeah. It's funny, uh, Jamie, I could say this to you because um. It'll be long after this happens one, once this episode airs, but I had a, I have an April Fool's Day joke coming out tomorrow. So everyone, we recorded this on March 31st, and I made up a brand new product called Play GPT. And what Play GPT is is uh, the kids just upload their music to this computer program, and then they put on gloves, and the gloves automatically play their instruments. So all they need to do is blow and it will, it'll move their fingers for them. So um, it's my April Fool's Day joke. I have play GPT, play gloves, and play baton, so the conductor, the teacher, can just conduct, and the gloves are synced up via Bluetooth. I had a lot of fun making this up, by the way, and it'll be out on April 1st, but no one will hear this podcast until way after that. Uh, Anyway, I uh, I thought it would be very funny, but So uh, last question for you, and I really appreciate the time that you've spent, uh, and that's the magic wand question I ask it of everybody. And that is, if you could wave a magic wand and have music first or music technology in general do something that it can't do right now, what would it be? Well,
1: I don't know that it's a simple thing.
0: Okay, that's fine. I,
1: I think that there are some tools, starting to be available but i i look at the majority of the students especially when you get into ensemble music the vast majority of the students that we serve are um you know not developmentally disadvantaged at all or uh you know have any cognitive challenges or limited right. cognitive challenges i think something that we don't see very often are students with special needs uh, really well served in ensemble mm. music mm-hmm. and so i would love to see some additional adaptive tools to help support and make music more accessible for more students
0: i love it i love that all right that 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 is a that is a uh, challenge at a charge so I promise you that we'll look into that. Um, it is, uh, it happens to be my favorite population of students to teach um, by far. So uh, you're right. I will look into that, Jamie. And I'll, I'll tell the other uh, partners of ours that that uh, we work with uh, that they should listen to this podcast and listen to that uh, magic wand request. Jamie, thank you so much for spending time. I appreciate it. I loved hearing uh, about your journey from uh, you know neuroscience to fine arts coordinator. That's fabulous. I wish you the best uh, the rest of your school year and um, and many years ahead. You have a you have an amazing program there, Jamie. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Jim. It's been a pleasure.
0: All right. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.